from the east side to the west. This is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are packed with sports talking and more. We are going to start with the still-breathing guards and the new-look Browns. On the road, we are talking FedEx champions, best World Cups, NFL storylines, and our end-of-summer hot takes. Off the field, we welcome one of our favorites with another From the Land All Ears devoted to Zach Bryan's brand new album. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever, my co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, how's your mood after a weekend of Zach Bryan? Boy, boy, <laughs> man, uh, a lot of sadness. Actually, you know what, I, I, my mood's good, though. I do, it's good music, I enjoyed it, but it's it's... The guy's working through some stuff, man. I'm not going to lie. At the ripe old age of 27, he is working through some stuff, and I'm sure we'll get to it. Looking so forward to this because it was heavy. Everything felt heavy every time I listened to the album, so I looked forward to this recording tonight to be a little lighter. It was heavy, but there was a lot of hope in that album, too. So we're going to have a good time tonight, and we're going to have a good time when we get to our off-the-field segment and get to talk a little Zach Bryan. But we are going to start where we always start, at home. Our Guardians week cap, our look back at the last week of baseball for the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians won't let us give up, but they also won't let us get excited. Guards lose two of three to the Dodgers, then win two of three from the Blue Jays. The even Steven week kept the guards under 500, but still six games out of first. So are you feeling something in the orange or revival after last week? <laughs> I, mean, I was like sitting in the middle is a little more revival. Cause to me, that's, that's a best case scenario with the teams are playing. Like I'm extremely happy with, with 500. You got some good pitching and then some not so good pitching. I like that they scored double digit runs on Sunday, even if it took extra innings to get there. I love that cast off players are actually contributing to this team. You know, <laughs> yeah. our boy Calhoun batted leadoff. That's the most non prototypical <laughs> leadoff hitter I've ever seen, but it's okay. And I like the momentum with yesterday leading into this week, even though the big news this week kind of took away from what I thought was a positive week and, and made me feel like, oh, they're still alive and kicking and they're going into a really important series where they can make up ground. So I was more revival. Yeah, I'd lean towards revival a bit too. I, I think three and three, we couldn't have asked for a better outcome of that of those six games, right? When we talked about it a week ago, we were we were hard pressed to find two wins in there. So to go three and three is great. The problem is you come off a week where you should have gone four and two and you went two and four or whatever it was. So the guards can't have a bunch of three and three weeks and expect to gain any ground on the twins because they're not playing the same caliber of teams that we're playing. And now we're, you know, we'll get to it, but we're head to head for a while. But more revival in the in the past week anyway. I mean, that's that's exactly what they needed uh, coming through those two good teams. And it, it showed me that it, a bunch of people that should not be on this team right now were carrying that team through those six games. So I just feel like at what point do they just start losing every game? <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. So that's where I kind of fall back into the something in the orange kind of feel of it. <laughs> this We can't keep this up. And, you know, we won't because the season ends in a month. I'm a little more on the something in the orange side of things, even though I was surprised happily that they were able to go three and three this week and, and take that series from the Blue Jays. But I poisoned myself again watching all those games. I kind of feel like hope faded uh, near the end because, like Phil said, a three and three week against those teams is really good. 
but it's too late in the season for that. Like the twins didn't suck last week that like we needed them to in order for three and three to keep the guardians alive and, and keep them pushing for that division. It was a surprisingly good week. It was fun to watch them beat up the blue Jays yesterday. That was a good game, uh, but I'm still closer to something in the orange than revival after the game. The big news came out that the Guardians had DFA'd or designated for assignment, for those of you who don't know, Noah Syndergaard. Does that move make sense? No, I don't think it does. Um, I know Quantrill's coming back, but so what? Like, you need guys to eat up innings, you would think. Some guys with some experience. On the face, I don't think it makes sense. I don't know what what happened, if something else happened behind closed doors or whatever. We're like, all right, this guy's not worth it. All he does is give up five solo shots in the first three innings of every game. Or they're looking at this and they're like, listen, you know, we could be as hopeful as we want, but we're not in this. We're barely going to finish the season at 500. And we got to get these young guys and get some other guys up here and kind of take a look. Is Quantrill part of this rotation next year? From that perspective, it makes sense. I just, I, I guess I initially looked at it like, oh, I'm holding and grasping at straws. Like, oh, we're still kind of in this. Why would we get rid of this guy? But that's my guardian's colored rose glasses that no <laughs> way. We're not, we're not, we're not in this anymore. We have to do, we have to go like 22 and five to catch the twins the rest of the season. It's not going to happen. You got to see what Quantrill's going to do. And you already know what Syndergaard was going to do, even if it was three starts or whatever it was. And what Phil's saying is pretty much right here. Like, they're not waving a white flag, but you may as well dance with the people who kind of brought you here. And th this guy needs to get some work in at a major league level to know if he's in the future plans for this rotation. So uh, did they do Thor dirty? I, I don't I don't know. You know, like, I mean, he did his job. He came in here, he ate up a few innings. He was probably getting five innings most of those games. And that's exactly what his job was. I thought it would have lasted more than three or four starts, but I understand why that move was made because... Quantrill was a part of this starting rotation at the beginning of the year, and he probably should be a starter at the end of the year as well. I guess I didn't get it. You weren't trading for Syndergaard thinking he was going to be like a front of the rotation starter. You knew what he was. You know, he was a project, kind of that end, you know, four or five guy. And those guys are going to be the guys that every couple starts are going to give up five or six runs and five or six innings, and they're going to have rough starts because that's what your fifth starter is. And so I guess I look at it like they knew he was a project. There is talent there. Why are you letting him go so quickly? I just feel like there's plenty of starting opportunities that Quantrill was going to get his starts to. And you could have kept Syndergaard and, and, and gotten his. I mean, in the end, it just sucks. Like, you, you gave up Rosario, who we all knew needed to be traded and needed to go. You got almost nothing in return at this point. And that, that's a bit disappointing. Um, I'm actually a little bit bothered by the fact that they let him go this quickly but moving on let's do uh kid got a stick best young hitter of the week for the guards will brennan five hits in three games cole calhoun five hits two doubles and a home run this week that guy's like 35 years young it's amazing <laughs> kids got a stick who's your best young hitter of the week don't give me any other option if you're going to put Calhoun there because <laughs> that's my dude for however long he's going to be on this roster. And it might just be for the next month and that's the end of him. But again, a guy who, <laughs> who's I think bad at cleanup and also bad at leadoff. Like, yeah, that is so weird. He's like a multifaceted, yeah, just a pork chop <laughs> looking dude who swings out of his boots. And that's something I appreciate. So he is my somewhat young hitter <laughs> stick of the week. I really like Cole Calhoun. I like this guy. I like him on this team with all the young 
players around him. Like I, he's kind of like the today's version of a Mike Napoli kind of guy on the team. Right. And uh, like a Giambi or something yeah, like that. Right. right? Exa- yeah. Exactly. Right. I like, I like him on this roster. Uh, but as I looked at the week offensively and all the players that led the team in hits, there was only one guy on that list that qualifies as young. Everyone else was J Ram Calhoun, Lariano. And then there was Brennan. Brennan was the only one in that top four that was one of these young guys. So that was good to see. Cause he, uh, we got to find which of these, which three young guys, um, you know, we, we throw out there in the outfield next year and, and he may be one of them. I, I don't know. Uh, Loriano had a great week, but again, not a young guy. Right. So I'll give it to Brennan. He was the only young guy on the list. I'm going with Cole Calhoun. Cause he's younger than me. All right, moving on next week is huge. Guards are starting a three-game set against the Twins tonight in Minnesota, and they close the week with three against the Tampa Bay Rays. It's not off to a great start. Down 10-6 in the eighth right now. Central Division Hospice Watch. By the end of the week, are we calling for a priest or commenting that the Guardians' color is starting to look a little bit better (laughs) and they're eating some more? I don't even know if we're calling for a priest, probably, probably calling the morgue. Like, hey, you got a, you got a room, room for us. You know, I look at the, and, and the way tonight started, I, and it's not realistic. You have to win two out of these three games yep. and two out of the three next week when we play them. So in the next, and, and, and all that does is net you two games and we're down by six, you know? So really what you have to do is sweep them and we're not off to a good start there. So yeah, I, I given your options, I, I say we're, uh, we're phoning father, baseball father baseball yeah <laughs> even with the score tonight i still think there's a little color left they're eating a little more than you thought um i don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense here but i i, I like the momentum coming into tonight i like the way they started this game i don't like the way they're ending this game <laughs> but they had a big big lead but and if they take two out of three that feels pretty good and then we have a little they're just holding on to hope so I'm going, even though I'm the one who says it's over, I'm going to hold on to hope at least for these two weeks until I know they're officially flatlined. Chuck is going to wait till like the last game of the year. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I think this is really it. They're they're really done now. (laughs) I'm in denial right now. It's pretty close for me. I have a feeling this is done. I just don't see them winning enough games against twins when the twins are playing well or the Rays who are fighting for a division uh, in, in order to make up the ground that they've lost in the last couple of months. So uh, guardians, maybe we're not calling the priest yet, but we're probably moving on to just like ice chips to eat going forward. <laughs> is, this, is this too dark? It's very dark. Wow. <laughs> All right. How'd that, album, something... that album affect you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moving on to something lighter. 13 shades of Brown, our 13 week preview of the Browns 2023 season. The one loss, one tie Super Bowl championship season is over, and it's all Cade York's fault. Browns lose their final preseason game to the Chiefs. Tell me something, one thing good Uh, about this game. Secondary keeps picking off passes. I like that. Chuck stole my one thing, so I have six. (laughs) My next six, in order, (laughs) are these. No, uh, I'll I'll, I'll leave it to one thing. I I really liked – how Watson moved the offense when he was out there. I get it. He was kind of playing against second string, first stringers on Kansas city. It wasn't a full first squad for the, for the chiefs, but um, he was hitting guys 
in stride that passed to Najoku in the end zone. I want to, I want to see yeah. about 15 yeah. of those. This be great, season, right? Like that looked should phenomenal. be unstoppable, right? Yeah. So there's my one good thing that looked, that looked like a winning combination from beginning to end, even though they gave it up a little bit in the second half defensively, the defense looked fast. They looked like yep. they were getting after the quarterback. They were getting after the ball. They just looked fast at every level. And I think we've seen that a bit in some of these other preseason games. And that seems like something that continues to carry over and, you know, hopefully carries over into the real games. But speaking of real games, we need players for real games. So let's talk rosters. A lot of moves over the last couple of days for the Browns as they start getting down to uh, their final 53. And I still think they've got like 20 to go. So we're not done yet. But over the last few days, Cade York and Anthony Schwartz were both let go. Who were you happier to see the Browns open the gate for? Good God. Um, I, I guess I was happier to, to see Schwartz go because it just felt like gone too late, right? Like gone too late. Yeah. Like that guy, they gave him so many chances and he just proved day in and day out that he can't catch a football. And that's kind of in the job description there. So I, I'm going to lean towards Schwartz. I, not that I was sad to see Cade Yorko, but I also thought like, all right, this guy's got a case of the yips. Can he work through it? Like it's all in his head. Yeah. And we saw his leg. He We saw his leg strength in the past. And I just was surprised because I they drafted him. So I didn't think this front office would, you know, yeah, suck it up enough to cut that guy. So I'll give the edge to Schwartz in terms of my happiness. The nightmare scenario here is that both these guys clear waivers and end up on this practice squad and they actually oh, see the God. field at some point this year, which is a real possibility. Yeah. But I'll go the other way here just because um, you saw what was going on with Cade York and I'm glad they had the balls to do it because that's the difference in winning this division. If he misses three kicks to win games or tie up games, or whatever, that's the difference. That's the difference of making the playoffs. So um, it's a move that felt like the city has been calling for for a very long time. And I thought this regime's like, we don't care about what they think like the other regimes did. But it's nice that they're just like, hey, we got to address these issues and do it right now. And it seems like not just that move, a few other ones where there are no excuses with this roster and how it's still shaping up and still yeah. adding people to it and filling whether they're backups or third string or whatever it is. Uh, they're trying to fill as many holes as humanly possible. And that was the most glaring one, it seemed like, uh, in the preseason was York. So I guess I'm happier that he's gone. I guess I'm happier that York has gone too, just because I felt like, and maybe this is kind of what Chucky's saying, is that he's the one who could have done the most damage to the Browns. Yeah. Like there's enough other good receivers that Schwartz might piss us off like on one small play during the middle of the game. Whereas York and his yips, Whatever it is, his mental issues, whatever it is that keeps him from being able to kick the way they expected him to, that just felt like it was something that was going to keep coming up. Just waiting for like the second touchdown drive in the first quarter when he misses the extra point and, you know, Burke texts that great, we're going to lose by one, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, and agreeing with him. Yeah, right. Because, because that was what was coming. So I guess I'm glad that they pulled the trigger on York and uh, are, are moving on. They also traded Josh Dobbs and promoted Dorian Thompson Robinson to backup quarterback. So scale of one to five, one being Bernie Kosar, five being Johnny football. How do you feel about this move? <laughs> I'm going to put it right in the middle uh, because I'm a big fan of watching him play. It seems like 
the game wasn't too fast for him, even if it was preseason. And he impressed me. I know that the Chiefs, he wasn't as stellar as he's been before. But uh, to me, it looked like he deserved that backup job. So uh, why not ship Dobbs off to a team that is totally tanking this year uh, in the Cardinals? And cut They cut another Browns. They cut, cut Colt McCoy today. Colt McCoy. Yeah, yeah. so like, good luck, Josh Dobbs. You're the starter out there, man. Like, it's going to be a rough <laughs> go for you. But uh, I'll put it at two and a half. I think if there's a serious competition for a backup quarterback, he definitely won it in, in preseason for what he showed me. So two and a half, maybe towards a three. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was a shoe in for that third spot after i mean he did he did everything and more that they could have asked that rookie to do to go out there and and it doesn't matter who he's playing against he's playing against a bunch of other players that are trying to make teams too right like he you saw it it was the eyeball test you saw him move the ball get he was he was like chuck said what the the moment was not too big for him he made plays with his feet with his arms with his eyes downfield all those kind of things um and he was a really good quarterback in college so i'm gonna put this i mean it's not bernie kozar but it's definitely not Johnny football. So I I'll give him like a 2.25, <laughs> you know, it's like, this that is Mike a guy. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a guy that I think if need be, and let's hope it's not, if yeah. need be might be able to come out there and still put some points on the board. They're going to live and die with Watson. Right. I mean, this is, you've got your yeah. guy. If he goes down this year. The year's done anyway. So, uh, I, but I like, I like DTR out there. He looks good. I I like, him for the future too. Like you get him some time, you know, practice time and time with Deshaun Watson. All right. You got a, a decent trade piece for your next kicker. I think if Deshaun Watson goes down, this move is a five. Uh, Cause I don't yeah. really think we want DTR on the field very much. Um, I, I, you know what? I liked it. I'm, I'm probably at about a two, two and a half because I hate to get too excited about a guy just playing in the preseason and he's a rookie, you know, that's just, there's so much that's got to go on there, but I will say that Josh Dobbs was a nice piece, but he was never somebody that blew anybody away. And DTR at least had some of those games during the preseason where you were blown away with the way he could move the ball and the throws that he could make and kind of the, the energy he brought to the team. And so that's all, that's all really good. I think, uh, I think that's a good move and I think he'll do just fine as the backup. And we want Deshaun Watson to be healthy all year long. You know when he'll play is when we're up when we're up by four touchdowns. That's when he'll play. Right? Yeah. That's fine. That's, that's fine. That's yeah. Good. yeah. Start him in the second set. quarter every game when we're up by four <laughs> touchdowns. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, fellas, we are going to close this out here. Our penultimate 13 Shades of Brown next week will be our full episode preview for the season. We are going to stop here, take a break, come back, hit the road, and talk a whole bunch of stuff. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we will start with the FedEx Cup playoffs. Victor Hovland took the Tour Championship lead on Saturday and never looked back. He wins the championship tournament and the FedEx Cup for 2023 with a silly 27-under five-stroke win over second-place Xander Shoffley and a 33-stroke win over Emilino Grillo. Don't feel bad for Grillo. He still took home 505000 for finishing last in the Tour Championship. But most importantly, we've got to look at our final standings for the From the Land Fantasy FedEx Cup, and it ended much the same way as the actual tournament. Team Chuck, John Rahm, and Victor Hovland took the lead last week and never looked back. 
This week, the team earned eighteen million six hundred and seventy thousand. Oh shit! <laughs> eighteen million of it was Hovland alone. Yep. yep. Chuck finishes with twenty-two million nine seventy-one. Basically, uh, Team Denko came in second, jumped into that spot with two top ten finishes by Scotty Scheffler and Xander Shoffley. Eight and a half million this weekend. Team Denko ends its run at just over eleven million. The real interesting battle was for last place. Miller with Max Homa and Patrick Cantlay had a pretty nice week and finished at just under eight million. My team, uh, Rory and Ricky. Rory did fine. Fowler didn't do much of anything. I finished dead last with a meager seven point four million dollars. So that's it for our fantasy FedEx Cup League, Chuck. How are you going to spend your 23 million <laughs> gerbucks? First off, I want it in small bills, nothing over no. a five. I want to fin only fives. Pay me in fives or pennies. I got to tell you, man, like that's generational wealth. I have set up my family from here to my kids' kids and so forth and so on. So I would expect that check, what, to clear in about a month, maybe, girl? I'll see that in the mail or? Chuck, you are going to be receiving your gerbucks at the trip. And I've got Excellent. 23 of these. <laughs> that is a, that is a, a million that. dollar Gerbuck bill. That looks fantastic. That looks That's real. really good. I can't. I'm going to try to way, buy. This is I'm going to try to buy 40s than, with that. Yeah, this is better than Bitcoin. And when I get sure. arrested, Gerb, since you're my lawyer, you're going to hold on to that one. Well. That says 1 million. So 23, we rounded up for you, Chuck, instead well, of having to it, yeah. give you smaller yeah. denominations yeah. of the gerb bucks, <laughs> uh, you're getting 23 of those bad boys <laughs> on the trip. You're buying dinner Saturday sure. night. All right. Moving on from the FedEx Cup to another World Cup. This is great news. It's time for the FIBA Men's Basketball World Cup, which means a lot of live international basketball early in the morning which makes me happy what's your favorite world cup the women's soccer world cup the cricket world cup the running world cup which is an online international event that anyone can compete in oh. you just have to download the app select your country and track your miles interestingly enough somehow ukraine came in second last year which is surprising to me because they had a lot going on but last option, the FIBA men's basketball. <laughs> a lot of running. Yeah. The, the FIBA men's basketball World Cup. So what's your favorite World Cup? Of those options, um, I didn't know about the running World Cup. I don't like running. I'm not going to choose that. My favorite World Cup of those options, I, I would go with the women's soccer, I think. Yeah, I'd go there because it's, there's too many World Cups at this point, and then you just listed some that's online only, and anybody can compete which means no one's competing. So uh, I'll go with the women too, even though the, the men's soccer world cup is the truest and purest world cup. I'm 100% joining the running world cup. I'm going to get that app. I'm going to represent our country and I'm going to track up some miles for uh team USA. I'm probably going to make myself a t-shirt for it too. Saying that I was on team USA's <laughs> world cup squad. All right. So who's winning the uh, FIBA world cup team USA is the favorite at minus 120. Then Canada at plus 600, France plus 700, Australia plus 900, but don't sleep on Slovenia, plus 1,300, but Luca's playing and is so far leading the World Cup in scoring. This is the perfect time for me to once again say, these colors don't uh, run. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will go with Team USA. I was under the impression 
and I'm basing this only on Team USA's roster, that all these countries were kind of throwing like their young bloods out there, right? Like, all right, get out there and, you know, these are good, talented players, but we're not going to take our, you know, Giannis isn't playing for Greece and Luca's right. not playing for Slovenia until you told me otherwise just now. Yeah. I did not know that Luca was out there playing for Slovenia. That said, this is the USA's World Cup to win for sure. Yeah, I'm all on Team USA in this one too. It's actually a, a pretty fun team and they got some good young players and yeah. uh, they've looked so they've looked good so far. I was going to run by whether there were any teams in our group that might threaten Team USA, but they've already won two games and advanced out of their group. So that part's done. Uh, there's actually another group stage. So Chuck really has to hate this tournament. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's another group stage before we start getting into knockout stuff, I think. So lots of good international basketball to watch over the next couple of weeks, I suppose. But why don't we move on to some NFL storylines? And we're going to play a little from the land, flying or crying. I'm going to give you two teams and you tell me who's going to be good, meaning they're flying. And who's going to be bad, meaning they're crying. So first one, Jaguars and Titans. Who's flying? Who's crying? I'm actually going to say the Titans are crying. And the Jags, because they've got a quarterback, are flying. Ditto, Jags flying, Titans crying. I'm all in with you guys on that one, too. I think the Jaguars are probably going to have another pretty good season this year. And I just don't know what's going on with the Titans. All right, next one. Who's flying? Who's crying? Chargers and Raiders. Chargers should be flying. Raiders should be crying. Why, why Why? are you qualifying it? Why are you adding shoulds? What are you doing? Come on. The Chargers have a, a great roster and a great quarterback. The Raiders are okay, I guess. I don't know. Is Garoppolo playing? I have no idea who their quarterback is. So I like the Chargers much better than I like the Raiders. That's my mindset there. The Chargers are flying and the Raiders are crying. The Raiders, we'll, we'll see. They could prove me wrong, but a bunch of retreads all over the place. And the Chargers... Coach on the hot seat, kind of underperforming the last couple of years. I think they win the division this year. I'm not going to go that far uh, because they play in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. Broncos? Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, nope. No. No. One and a half. Take the under. <laughs> I'm with you guys, although this one was closer than I thought it would be. The Raiders maybe have a chance to do something. I think they've also got a coach on a hot seat, on a hot seat too. Uh, the Chargers seem to be continually disappointing, even though we think they're really good. I'm going to stick with you guys. I'm going to say Chargers flying, Raiders crying. Next one, 49ers and Seahawks. Who's flying? Who's crying? Oh, boy. Um, man, I, I, I think the 49ers are flying. I, I think they may have found something in this Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback. And the Seahawks, I, I know they, they gave money to Geno, right? Like, he's coming back. He's there. He's there opening. Like he... He found lightning in a bottle last year, but I don't know if he's going to repeat that. So I'm going to say they're crying this year. I know I can't say they're both flying, but I think they're both kind of flying, but who's flying higher and better. It's the Niners, but the Seahawks, uh, when we were just talking, and I don't know if it makes a show or not about receiver cores, Dang. that Seahawks receiving core with Lockett yeah. and Metcalf and Jigba, right? Isn't he there too? Who's from so. Ohio State, right? I think yeah. He just got hurt though. Uh, that's pretty sick. I still think the pedigree for the Niners, I'm saying they're flying. All right, our first disagreement. I think the Seahawks are going to be flying. I think the 49ers are going to be crying. I think there's a chance that Purdy comes back down to earth for the 49ers. And it feels like the 49ers always have trouble keeping guys healthy. Like they've got a bunch of studs, but those dudes get hurt. 
And so I, I think the 49ers are down. The, the Seahawks are up again. All right, last one. Who's flying? Who's crying? Cowboys and Giants. I think the Cowboys are flying and the Giants are crying. It's not an easy decision to make because they both tend to, you know, shit the bet as the season goes on. But of the two, yeah, we'll go Cowboys flying. They have a quarterback. Cowboys are flying. The Giants overachieved somehow last year and made the playoffs. I think they are not good. I do not believe in their quarterback. Uh, so they are not, what was it? Dying? Crying. Crying. Wow. I'll dying, say dying. a whole nother level. Giants <laughs> yeah. are dying. That's a tough division. That's a tough division. It's a tough division. It's really close, but I think I kind of tend to lean the way Chuck does too, that the Giants probably weren't that good last year. And so I'm thinking they're better this year than they really are. And so I think they're going to be crying. And the Cowboys are going to be flying, but not really very high. They might be weather balloon high or something like that. I don't know, something like <laughs> weather balloon. Chinese spy balloon high? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tiny, tiny spy balloon high, but not like airplane high or rocket ship or spaceship <laughs> high so that's it for who's flying who's crying uh all right moving on trey lance finished in last place for the 49ers quarterback job and is now a cowboy lance was the third pick in the draft in 2021 and the 49ers gave up three first round picks to get him who got robbed the worst the 49ers for trey lance or denko paying 500 dollars for yamuel his first car <laughs> I have a personal love connection to Yamule. <laughs> that got me where I needed to go at times. Trey Lance didn't get anybody where they needed to go. Not that he was treated fairly. Not that he was ever given a real shot. And they gave up a ton to move up like that. My favorite part of this whole saga is that RG3 commented on it very loudly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember when they, how much did the Redskins give up to get that dude? And I know injuries kind of plagued yep. him. But still, that's that's a guy who shouldn't be saying it. I somewhat feel bad for Trey Lance uh, because maybe the expectation is a little too high, but when a the last pick of the draft beats you out and then a guy who was drafted really high who is not really a good quarterback takes your backup job, good luck in Big D, man. First of all, Yamuel only cost $500. It was a steal. I'd put that's that up true. against any yeah. any draft. Pick. Yeah. That that thing cost, I think it was closer to $1,500. Even, even knowing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it was $1,500 in 1993, the 49ers got robbed way more than I did. Uh, Trey Lance, it's bad enough had they just had the third pick of the draft and drafted that guy and he was a bust. But they traded how many first round picks? Three, three more first three. round picks and a third round pick guy. too. It was yeah. four picks total. Four. I mean, those are four starters. You traded four starters on your NFL team for a, a quarterback that, and and we're no strangers to high True. first round draft picks that. Yeah, I was going to say unless you're the Browns, <laughs> but we don't trade four first round or three first round picks and a and a third for it, right? Like we we just suck enough to draft in that position and then and then screw yeah. up the. Uh, that will be traded for Deshaun Watson though. Well, that's a known commodity. That's not to draft <laughs> uh, someone. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah different. we didn't. He's See not that? a project. Yeah, yeah. That's my Deshaun's like Yamul. He, yeah, it's going to be. It, well, yeah, he's gonna be all right. He's gonna be it's a little right. creepy. Yeah, I don't know. If that's yeah, okay. Yamuel was a little creepy. questionable. Sure. Yeah, a little questionable. You never really yeah, know what yeah. you might get out of him. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, clearly the 49ers got robbed and Denko did not. Yamuel was a fantastic vehicle. Tough break for Lance, but at the same time, like 
you know, the, the word is that, oh, we didn't get his chances to be out there and to play. How did he not make his chances? You know what I mean? Like, he obviously wasn't good enough uh, for them to keep around. So, moving on, why don't we hit our summer hot shots, our hot takes from around the sports world. We're running out of these, two. We probably got this week and next week before the summer unofficially comes to an end. But let's go talk some baseball. AL West is getting nuts. The Mariners are in first place. The Rangers and the Astros are a game out. The Angels, only 11 and a half out with 30 <laughs> games to go. Uh-oh. If somehow the division winner isn't the Angels, who's going to win this? Man, um, Mariners have been playing great baseball. But I will, as much as I hate the Astros, the pedigree is there. The talent is there continually. Uh, so I would say somehow, because it gives me something to hate during the playoffs, I'm going to say the Astros get the well, I agree with those three teams. I feel like the if I had to put money on one, I'm putting it on the Astros because they've been there in the past. They've been there forever, right? Like it seems yeah. like year in and year out, like they win that division. I did not realize that division got so close as it is. That that's pretty good. But I'd lean towards Houston. Uh, they're, they're all they're all good. They're playing really good baseball in Seattle. They're playing. They've been playing really good baseball in Texas all all season. But Houston's the one that in the all right, we got 28 games to go. If I had to pick one, I think they win the majority of them. Hard to pick against the Astros just because they've been there so many times and these other teams haven't. But the Mariners have been playing really, really well lately. And if they stay hot, man, um, the Astros have to do a job of catching them. So we'll see. But I'm going to go with the Astros too. College football started last weekend. What did you learn from Notre Dame beating Navy 42-3 to in Ireland on Saturday? What did I learn? I learned that for some people I was with, they were still really concerned at the end because of the betting line. When that okay. three points went up, <laughs> when that three points went up, uh, it got pretty close. I think they won their bet by half a point. Uh, so that's all I learned was all right. This was a done deal. Uh, good for uh, Marcus Freeman, you know, uh, ex Ohio State Buckeye. There's our Burke, our Burke Boner Award. There you weekend, go. Weekend, right? There Marcus it is. It's a win yeah. in Dublin. Uh, I learned that um, Notre Dame's fan base travels internationally. It seemed like there were a whole lot of people there. Not from Dublin, rooting for Ohio State, or for Ohio State, Jesus, for Notre Dame. So that, that's about it, because I didn't really watch it. What I learned is that the football season starts next weekend. Did not really start with that game. Not that much excitement there. All right, fellas, that's it for our summer hot takes for this week. That's it for this segment. We're going to take our final break. We're going to come back off the field and talk some Zach Bryan. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and it is music time again. Welcome to another All Ears from the Land. This week, we get to talk about one of our favorites, Zach Bryan. Bryan released his self-titled album last week, and it was a big deal. Multiple songs spent the weekend climbing to the top of various charts. Most of the album is already over 3 million streams on Spotify. Those aren't Taylor Swift numbers but they're still pretty damn good uh, for only a couple days of the album being out. This album is obviously a very personal one. What story about Zach Bryan do you think he was telling us? It seems like it's a story about dealing with his own feelings or singing directly to people who are no longer in his life, whether it's his family members who have passed or ex-lovers or girlfriends or whatever, even kind of at times singing to himself, if that makes sense. Uh, it felt a little bit of that, like it was his own personal in his head narrative that became song. So a little bit all over the board, but but mostly it, 
seems again like we're talking about another album or dealing with loss here it was definitely about loss and you know his his, his mother and and past relationships that it seemed to me as i listened to this album over and over again past relationship that he was kind of more at fault than the than the other person as to why the relationship failed and he and that maybe lends itself to what chuck was alluding to where he's kind of talking to himself a bit too like hey maybe i should have done this or hey listen to this or is this important to me and these kind of things so there was a lot of that like second person kind of feel to this but i think the story he was telling was at the ripe old age of 27 because i'm pretty sure that's what zach bryan is he is yep he's been through some shit and and i guess at that age like every, everyone's experienced loss uh be it death be it relationships these kind of things so that was the th main theme of this album for sure i felt that it was a story about him getting older and it's kind of funny at our age to look at somebody who's 27 talking like that because to us like man you haven't even started yet there's still so much life to live before you get to be our age but it is a time like you're out of your mid-20s you're heading towards 30 you've been around long enough for things to happen in your life you've been around long enough to kind of wake up to things and understand things maybe a little bit better and so i think it was he's getting older but he's trying to get better he's dealing with faith and his own success you know love and loss and parents and death and legacy but somehow there's still hope there but mostly it just felt really raw to me like this felt like he was really like cutting himself open in these songs and it, you you got to respect a little bit like how much he was willing how much he was willing to do that i think it's you know it's telling i think he names the album after himself and he doesn't do it in a way that feels fake like he's all right this album is going to be titled with my name and i'm going to tell you all about me it was a rough listen because of how raw i think it was what was better throughout the album trumpet piano or squawking frog well the frog was unexpected but undeniably present in in the uh what was that that track smaller uh smaller x yeah smaller, smaller x, x. Yeah. man I, that's a good question i like the piano throughout i like all of it i mean i was i was I laughed at the frog thing because uh, it just was there a lot. I thought I actually started listening. I thought that was outside of my headphones because I was outside when I was listening to that <laughs> yeah. song. I'm like, wait a minute, where am I right now? Yeah, I, I'll go with the piano. I, I like the piano. The trumpet was great. I like the piano throughout them. I'm going with the frog, man, because <laughs> nobody is using the bullfrog or whatever frog it was uh, as as part of uh, an instrument to to put together a song that really sounded like it was a voice memo on your iPhone. Uh, which is another problem with this album at times. But ultimately, I don't hear a whole lot of frogs on albums, so that's what I'm going to go with. If what I read on Twitter was accurate, it was a memo on his iPhone. He was sitting in a field. Yeah, he recorded sounds just the song, like it. Yeah. No. And, and okay. the frog just came out of came out of nowhere. Uh, the correct answer is trumpet. Trumpet is so fantastic. It is such a cool-sounding instrument when you put it into this type of music. Uh, I'm a, on overtime and east side of sorrow the trumpet was just absolutely outstanding uh, i really like that that part of it uh, what did you think of the sound in general there's some issues there and I, I listen a little bit differently sometimes i think than than most people i know he produced the album itself and i think that becomes somewhat of a problem uh in some of the songs because the mixing depends on how you're listening to it right like you listen to it on your on uh, airpods it sounds different than you listen to it in your car it sounds different than you listen to it on a speaker so sometimes it sounded a little thin to me, but overall, thin's okay when the album's this personal and this raw. You're not hearing a whole lot of instruments. There's not a lot there. His voice is the main instrument on this album. 
the more you listen to it and that's how it should be with him because you need to pay attention to his lyrics that that's that's the point of this guy and i think that's why people are so drawn to him and resonate to him because most of the time you might catch something here or there but there there's enough throughout this whole album that that he's ultimately bearing his soul on a lot of stuff i'd like to hear it with a with a real producer um just because it might make the album a little more sonically enjoyable for somebody like me who pays attention to that stuff. And I'm not taken away from it, but if it's his album, he titles it after himself and he's a one man show here. That made sense to me, but, but ultimately it sounds thin to me. It's a thin sounding album. We're actually going to come back to the production side of things, Chuck, because it actually feels to me like the, the album was a little bit up and down with that sort of stuff. Sure. It was kind of different throughout, yeah. but Phil, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know if I can, put it any better than chuck just did but I, it was interesting because i i listened to it when it came out friday morning i hit the road i hit the road early friday morning and i was on the road for the first half of friday and i was on the road coming back to ohio at the end of sunday so i listened to it a ton in my car and i didn't think it sounded that good like like for, sonically i'm like ah, it is like i i enjoyed it don't get me wrong because it was all about the lyrics it was not i wasn't really thinking about the sound i was listening to what he was saying and he didn't do anything to reinvent himself in this album. This is Zach Bryan. This is the same Zach Bryan that we heard on his last album and the album before that, those kind of things in the last two years. But I, I then listened to it today, a, a bit in my house with a better system and then a bit doing yard work with like noise canceling earbuds in and those kind of things. It really sounded differently. And I was like, oh, okay. So there is a little bit what you're listening to it on. And maybe that speaks to what Chuck is saying. Like when it's produced in such a thin way, you don't catch anything if you're not on a, in a great sonic situation, I guess. I don't know. So the sound itself, like I, I don't know that I listen to the album like Chuck does where I'm really listening to all right, what's happening sonically. And in this album, I kind of focused on his words a bit. So it was okay. I don't mind it. It was good, but, but I get what Chuck's saying. Like, yeah, thin is a good way to describe it. That's, that's really interesting. We're going to see as we get through our discussion, whether I've swung and missed on this question or not, because I guess my thought of the sound from beginning to end of the album is that about 90% of it sounds just like Zach Bryan and everything yeah. he's put out before. And that's okay. I mean, it's definitely like a vibe he has. I think a lot of his albums have been self-produced, especially like the early ones that started as like YouTube clips. This is what his sound is. And you're you're absolutely right, Phil. There's nothing, there's not much new. There, there's a little bit here and there, but there isn't much that's new in what he's doing. And so I think if you like his prior albums, you're going to be into this album. Just the 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 sound from beginning to end is something that, that you'll be into, but nothing really earth-shattering, groundbreaking in, in any of this. Uh, from the land, tomato or tomato? Is it El Dorado or El Dorado? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and I've listened to this album a bunch, and I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I've got, what, 19 years of experience in life on this guy? I'm pretty sure it's El Dorado, but... He went with El Dorado, <laughs> poetic license. It's always been El Dorado for me, and I think the Disney movie kind of proved that. But uh, for his sake of phrasing and and melody, El Dorado is a little bit better for the song. I'm still going to sit on El Dorado. Before this song came out, it was El Dorado. Now it's El Dorado. <laughs> okay. uh, it just made perfect sense the way he was singing it. All right, so throughout the entire album, did you have a favorite lyric? 
yeah it's on my favorite song on the album which uh i guess you'll ask me at that at some point but it's i will yeah uh, so i won't you've say already given it away no i'm not gonna say the song i'll say <laughs> the lyric uh my favorite lyric on the album is take care of the blood uh your love runs through because if you kind of switch those words i was like man did he say that i had to listen to it like 20 times i'm like shouldn't it be take care of the the love that your blood runs through but either way i understand what he's saying and it resonates with me yeah. so that's that's my favorite line on the album my favorite lyric i don't know if this counts it does not come from my favorite song it doesn't even come from one of my top three favorite songs on this album which is weird right it comes from the opening poem like that that i i almost went that way too yeah yeah i kept listening to the opening poem and i was like god i wish he would have turned this into a song it's great what it is it really is but i really liked uh i've i've learned that every waking moment is enough and excess never leads to better things it only piles and piles atop the things that are already abundantly in front of you, like breathing and chasing and slow dancing and love making and fighting and laughing. I'm like, that's yeah. isn't that a perfect list, man? Isn't really that great? good. Yeah. Yeah. Like put that on a t-shirt. Mine was from Overtime, which is definitely a song about the success that he feels like he has earned through like the what his life has been, like the last like eight or ten years or so, I suppose. But it's no matter who you know, no matter what you do, I'll become what I deserve when it's all through, and you'll be there asking yourself why. And the chorus for that song includes, they told me that I couldn't and I shouldn't even try. Uh, and I just love that defiance in the face of people telling you not to go live your dream or not to go do something different. And I really like his, his view on this, that, hey, no, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, I I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to be. It's going to be the result of his effort and his talent and his work and all that. But I like that sense that like, hey, no matter what you say, I'm going to end up being exactly what I'm supposed to be. I thought that was really cool. What do you think the deal was with the opening poem? He didn't have to put that on the album. He didn't have to. He could have rolled right into the opening riff and overtime, which, you know, is like the the national anthem kind of, yeah. you know, moving into the song that could have that could have opened the album. But I kind of feel like as he was, you know, putting things together, writing things down and just things pop into his head like that, but might've felt like what these songs felt like to him too, where it was kind of a moment of self-reflection and really kind of diving into like, all right, here's what I've experienced. Here's what I love about it. Here's what I hate about it. Here's what I want for the future. Um, and he kind of talks about that in that poem. Like it, it opens with like, I've done all these things, right? Like I've woken up on a mountain I've kissed good lips. I've done all these things and I'm 27 years old and yet I'm full of a lot of sorrow and regret and maybe some resentment too. So it was just, maybe it was something he wrote in the past and it just kind of, it set the tone for the rest of this album for sure. The first two times I listened to the albums, who's, who's opening an album with a poem. I haven't heard much of this since like deaf, comedy jam tried to do a poetry thing but then i realized like it's a really good opener yeah right then i realized this is a really good opener because you have to super pay attention to it it's going to stand out other than some opening track to a song your ears it's just his voice you're hearing his words and that's how you should be listening to this guy like you should really should be listening to his lyrics and not much of the instrumentation matters so uh, to me it was just something that opens an album in a much different way than anybody else has done in a very long time and sets the stage for what's to come. But at first I thought this is kind of lame, but that by like my sixth or seventh listen, I'm like, no, this, this is, this is really well done. And it's opening up what this album is truly becoming. I, I felt like it was the roadmap for the album. 
I felt like the themes that he covered in the poem took you through everything that he was going to hit in the album. You, you didn't know it your first time through and maybe even the second time through, but by the third time through, at least it took me that many times by third or fourth times through, I really started to figure it out. And, and that's kind of what I thought was he is, he's laying out the themes that, that are going to be in every song throughout the album. I thought it was a really interesting way to open it. So let's see if this one makes any sense. Goldilocks paradigm. Was this album overproduced, underproduced, or produced just right? Well, certainly wasn't overproduced. <laughs> I guess like, you know, based on what we talked about earlier, I, I could lean towards underproduced, but I don't know. Like, I feel like this is exactly what Zach Bryan wanted to put out there. This was his, this was his album about himself. This was in past out. Al- we say, keep saying past albums because the guy's been so prolific over the last two years. Yeah. Like two or three years of albums, but he's got, <laughs> you know, hours of, of material out there. This was Zach Bryan finally kind of, I think writing and singing about himself rather than other characters he might be talking about or stories he might be talking about more, more than other albums anyway. So I'm going to say it was produced just right. And that's just the, I guess that's just the perception I had as I was listening to, because I think this is, this is the, and I took that poem as like you said, Gerbs, like this is the tone setter and this is what the album felt like as I listened to it. All right, Lester Banks, let's see what you got. Lester Banks. Banks. It's the uh, raw and unpolished nature of his music that makes him super appealing to people. But at some point, like that organic and loose sound to me becomes a little sloppy and distracting. For the album, though, it's probably produced right for his fan base thinks he can do no wrong. And there's only one other fan base that thinks that. And that's our angel baby, Taylor Swift. And they're (laughs) right. Like, they're right. This, though, I think it could have used a little more. uh, Just a little bit more at times. That's why it might be perfect here. When you release an album that's this raw and it's just that, it it probably, your voice should be the main instrument. And that's what it was throughout the album. So it's probably just right. uh, Even though with, with more listening to me, like if I spend more months listening to this i'm going to still think that it's thin uh and and that's okay because the point of this album is for you to listen to what he's saying not so much what the instruments are doing behind him i remember everything and spotless are the two that are really produced sounding songs right compared to everything else on the album Yep. where do you put those in comparison to the rest of the album which really sounds pretty similar if you're asking me I remember everything's one of the strongest song, songs on the on the album. The thing I really like about this album is that there's people on it who you wouldn't think would would be with him. So Casey Musgraves is a superstar uh, in my mind and deserves more accolades than she gets. Uh, and the song is brutal but fantastic. When you hear the Lumineers, again, that to me adds something. When you hear the War and Treaty, that adds something to these songs. And I hope it works out for the War and Treaty that more people listen to their music because it is phenomenal before they linked up with him. So if what Apple Music tells you is the best song on the album, the one that's selling the most, it's the song with Casey Musgraves. That's the that's the most downloaded bought song over the last couple of days uh, and to me it, it's really great but i think it's two really strong fan bases kind of coming together and saying oh we should we should support yeah. this uh but i i like those songs a little bit better than the ones that are 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 less instrumentation 
but but again like it's just my personal pre- you know it's, it's like my personal preference i'm not a super zach bryan fan i think he's really talented and i like what he does and this is the most time i spent on any album he's ever released but sometimes i want a little bit more if that makes sense Phil, I don't remember what the, I don't remember what the, <laughs> you don't remember what the question I just was. How are you question. doing over there? How are you good, doing man. over I'm there? Good. I'm good. I'm all right. Hey, the Browns just traded for another kicker. <laughs> are you serious? No, no. Oh, man. So I guess, you know what I'm trying to, I, I think what I'm really trying to get at is uh, because I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree that I think I remember everything is one of the best songs on this album. I, I like that song because it's a twist on a, a song that rock and roll has produced a billion times. It's a guy singing about like the girl that got away uh, or the girl that didn't like him enough. And this one's got a great twist on it because then you get to hear from the girl's perspective. And I thought that was really cool. I didn't like that. It sounded produced like that. And it sounded like too clean as compared to, to the rest of the songs in the album. Is there a contradiction in these songs between those that are produced a little bit more and those that aren't produced at all and it's just him singing to his cell phone? Or do you care if there's that that kind of what Chuck has described as, oh, it gets a little sloppy sometimes, I want it to be a little bit cleaner? Well, I, you know, those two songs, I remember everything in Spotless. So those are two of his, you know, the, the featured artists on those two are 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 just as known, if not more known than, than he is. Right. Yeah. So, so that was, that was huge. It's almost like that back in the day, back when we were coming up, those would have been the singles that were released well before the album coming out. Right. So we didn't hear these until the album came out. What's interesting about those two, while they are more produced than the rest of the album. So you can kind of, it's a weird, I actually, it didn't bother me. Like I, those are two of my favorite songs on the album um and, and maybe that just says more about what i what i was listening for you, you know from it was better produced but zach bryan didn't change who he was on either one of those songs no of course he not. didn't no he didn't he didn't acquiesce to like the lumineer style or you know it, he didn't do that like it, i and i appreciated that about it where i'm like all right this is pretty cool like it almost sounded like come do a zach bryan type song with me and we've just got more talent on the same track uh, so it doesn't bother me. I like it. It's fine. But in the past, those are the ones that would have hit the radio weeks before the the cassette or CD yeah. was on sale at the store. <laughs> Except for when we were coming up, Casey Musgraves was probably like two. No, so I don't I think she was dropping yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah, and the Lumineers weren't even born yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Zach Bryan also <laughs> yeah. not born yet. <laughs> All right, so uh, your favorite song on the album. Man, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with East Side of Sorrow. I like, uh, there was something about that song. Like, I, I I listened to it a bunch before I decided to read any of the lyrics. Like, I just, whatever my ear picks up, I'm just going to listen to it, listen to it. I like, I really like the sound of that song. I, and it's one of those things, like, we've talked about with Zach Bryan in the past. Like, I, it, this was a song full of sorrow, sadness, resentment, all these kind of things, right? And then I read the lyrics and I was like, all right, yeah, this is... Uh, this is really good. Like, this is a self-reflection. I can relate to this a bit. Like, and, and there's a lot of good songs, I, but I think I came back to East Side of Sorrow more than anything. I really like Spotless and Overtime, too. I, I like the album, but East Side of Sorrow was my favorite. So after a few listens, it kept changing, uh, which is always a good thing in my mind. But where it's landed, the more I listen to it, Tourniquet is a fantastic a song. song, man. right? Really like, song. it is a fantastic song. His wordplay in it, the melody in it, everything about it feels uh, like 
to me, that's what I want out of this guy. Uh, so, so tourniquet will go into a playlist and I will listen to it for a long time to come, but it just stood out. The more I listened to the album, this is a tough one, uh, as it should be with a good album, but, uh, I loved overtime. I loved Hey driver. I love ticking. Yeah. Ticking is a great one about like getting old, man. Yeah. That's, um, interesting that he's hitting that tone at 27 because it feels older than that i'm on east side of sorrow man i've known you guys for a long time man uh, and we've all been through our shit um we have all suffered some some trauma and some tragedy in our lives uh, and what i loved about east side of sorrow is that idea that you you put it behind you and, and the sun comes up and, and you move on uh, and so as as hard as that is man he strikes a really hopeful tone with that song that I thought was really cool. Uh, and, and I really appreciate it. I thought that was my favorite one. All right. So bourbon scale one to five, where are you at? I've been, I knew this question was coming and I still don't know where it lands. So do you want me to skip you? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we kind of mentioned it. I mentioned it before, like his stuff is, is precise and personal and deeply sad and simple and direct and relatable enough that you end up singing along to these songs, but yeah. they don't make me feel good. <laughs> and that seems to be a running theme lately, not just with this dude, but with everything I listen to is becoming a downer. And I'm not trying to judge against that. There just isn't a whole lot of positivity in music right now. And maybe that's where we're at in the world, or whatever it is, uh, whoever's making music of note and that means something, but it's a good album. I don't know how often I go back to it again, because I feel like I'm saying the same thing I said with that Foo Fighters album, like... It has the ability to make you feel terrible, but you still want more. Uh, this is probably a four for me, just because it's rare anymore that I'm so focused on somebody's lyrics. Uh, and this is what this dude does to you. Like, you want to hear what he's saying over and over again. Uh, it's a good album. It's not feel good. It's not feel great. But there's a lot of lessons to learn here, no matter if you're 27 or 46 like we are. Uh, it's a solid four. I like that Chuck brought up the Foo Fighters album that we reviewed recently. Um, and as you guys know, I'm a big Foo Fighters fan, and I can't remember what I gave the Foo Fighters, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my ignorance on what I said only weeks ago <laughs> uh, when I rate this album. But it was like two months ago. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> These episodes just keep coming every week. Lot, just piles up happened. and piles up. A lot has happened in those two months. <laughs> Browns just um, traded for another kicker. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing as I was listening to this, relating it to the Foo Fighters album thing. All right, the themes are the same. The themes are the same. It's about loss. It's a little bit of hope in some of these tracks. It's just presented in a completely different way from someone who's 27 versus someone in Dave Grohl who's older than us. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's half of his age kind of thing. So it was interesting to kind of put it up against that. And I really like this album. I think I probably will listen to this album a few more times straight through be it mowing the lawn or driving somewhere or whatever i'll pull it back up there's certainly tracks on it that i'll that i'll put on a playlist it will definitely end up on our playlist uh because we're talking about it oh yeah um so there's that but so i'm i'm gonna give it a 4.25 and i really feel bad if i didn't give the foo fighters <laughs> that high because the foo fighters are my i think you went higher I think, I think you were. I think you were. Yeah. I think you were. Did four. I go like Burke seven on the food? No, you might have no. like a four and a half somewhere. Yeah. I think we were all pretty high on that one. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it a four point two five. This is a good album. I I really have enjoyed listening to it, despite the topics that he's talking about. I, I really like this guy. I'm at about a four and a half 
I think this is a really well written album. I really like the sound. I, I like the unproduced sound of it. I like that kind of rough sound to it. I would say that it's more hopeful than I think you guys have described. And maybe that's just the way that I hear it and the way that I read the lyrics, but there there is hope, there is growth, that is there there is improvement in him as a character throughout the songs that I think is really good. Uh, even when you're dealing with all that shit. I, I would say that it's it's missing a transcendent song. I think Something in the Orange is, is transcendent. There's something very, very special about that song. That song doesn't show, something like that doesn't show up on this album, although maybe East Side of Sorrow gets close. Maybe uh, I'm not giving that one enough credit. I think what really struck me about this in comparison to his other albums, and I'm not saying that they're equal, but this feels like his darkness on the edge of town. This is that place where the character is like a little bit older and some of those like hopeful, fun dreams of youth have now faded to the struggles of being an adult. And that's what Darkness on the Edge of Town is. It's all the characters from Greetings in Asbury Park and Born to Run growing up a little bit and things don't quite work out. And I feel that, that, that burden of like growing up and being an adult in this album the same way you feel it in darkness now darkness is my favorite album of all time i'm not saying that they're on the same level but i'm saying that that's what it felt like after some listens to this so i have i have a note to ask you that after listening to this like 10 times i thought sonically is this his nebraska that's interesting yeah yeah I, the reason i guess i'd say no is because he doesn't have the history of the albums that were totally different from that, that Bruce did. I mean, Nebraska right. is such this sharp departure from born to run darkness and the river that this still sounds like a Zach Bryan album to me, yeah. but I, but I get it. I mean, I guess there is that, there is that a lot of that starkness to those um, underproduced songs or unproduced songs. However you would say it, that is similar to, Nebraska. Nebraska had almost no hope, though. And I still think this album has some hope. Nebraska is just <laughs> nothing but misery from beginning to end. Um, so, all right. Hey, cool. It this is a great album. Um, I've been looking forward all day to talking to you guys about it because I knew we were going to have a lot to sink our teeth into for that one, which is why we've been talking for 32 minutes about it. Jesus. Hey, real fast. <laughs> winning time. HBO's rom-com about the rise of the 80s Lakers dynasty. Episode four was last night. Who's having the least amount of fun in the Lakers organization during episode four? Magic Johnson, Jeannie Buss, Pat Riley, Kurt Rambis. Me. I'm having the least <laughs> amount of fun uh, because it seems like everybody's being a whiny bitch. Uh, and, and I understand why they are. Each of them, I understand why each character is being whiny and feel like they're being wronged or or whatever it is. Uh, so if I have to pick up of the list there, uh, I'm going to go with ma magic seems super like I got to tell my buddy and then I got to go tell the teacher and then I got to go tell the principal and then I got to tell my mom that I just don't agree with what's happening here. So to me overall, it just felt like a bunch of complaining for 52 minutes or whatever it was. And, and I hope this resolution happens quickly because I am sick of looking at Paul Westhead or whatever the guy's name is. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of that character. I was hoping that you guys were right. That would be a half episode, oh, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's dragging it's not. out. We get it. He doesn't fit here. It's time to go. Please let him go. My number one note after watching episode four was 
enough with coach Westhead already. That's what I wrote down. That's what I wrote down. Like, all right, we get it. Get him the fuck out of here. So to answer your question, um, uh, magic is certainly having a shitty old time here in episode four, but so is Riles, man. Pat Riley yeah. is yeah. dying so much so that he has to wear a neck brace. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I guess that was the best part of the episode. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the stress induced pain he's feeling as, as he's trying to sleep on his floor at his home and explain things to his wife. Like Pat Riley is dying a slow death because he sees what, English teacher Westhead does not like, all right, we've got like the best basketball player on the planet and we're making him run to spots. I hate this. And Riley and magic probably went out of LA at that point. I'm going to add to the list. I'm going to go with all of us because I agree with you guys a hundred percent. This was just a shitty episode to get through. Uh, and it's the first time in a while watching the show that I was glad when it ended. Cause it was just like a lot of like negativity and BS and it wasn't any fun to watch. So, but fellas, finally, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that the head of Spain's soccer organization is in hot water for kissing one of the players on the mouth after the big win in the World Cup. With that news, that explains why I always have you guys sign waivers before the COSAR Cup. I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Go listen to Zach Bryan's album. Oh, Absolutely. The Trump mugshot memes have been off the chain oh, this weekend. There was there was nothing funnier than the photos comparing him to athletes who are 6'3", 215 pounds. Oh, yeah. my God, was that funny. <laughs> objectively funny. I don't care which side yeah. of the aisle you're on. No. That is objectively <laughs> hilarious. So that was objectively funny. And they released one, one today. Uh, it was his mugshot. And it all said underneath it was like Mama Fratelli from uh, the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like just with the gold, liquor. yeah, put the turtleneck and gold shade <laughs> yeah. on, yeah. Mama Fratelli, <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of USC, you see, um, they they updated the the Bronny thing where his heart defect is a congenital issue and it's yeah. completely repairable. So That's I'm thinking like, it might be a. It might be like a valve thing or something like that, yeah. you know, where they're going to. But how is he getting it? Re- it's not going to just repair itself, right? Like someone's no, going no, to they're gonna crack certain. him open. And oh, my gosh. Well, if it's a valve, they don't have to crack you open. They just they. Oh, put a balloon in there. They go, through, they go through arteries, not through your oh. wiener, uh, through, your, through, through your, your thigh. How hard Another Burke Boner to Award of the, of the week. <laughs> it's oh, like how hard is it going to be to get to that valve if Burke's got a boner at the time? probably easier actually i don't know she's so bad straight shot uh man i think i'd rather be dead than have something in my penis (laughs) that's my take not if you're brawny though (laughs) no you're right you're right brawny still got a lot going on i've done a lot i've done a lot in my life when it comes to the hey we're sticking this thing in there Call just, it kill me. just kill me. Just kill me. Let me go, man. <laughs> you don't have but to but kill it's just me. a kidney I'll stone, just... Mr. Gerber. It's just a kidney stone. No, no, kill me. <laughs> you don't have to kill me, but I don't want that thing in there. So I'll just live with whatever I have for as long as I can. Oh. That's my plan.
That's good. That's really good. <laughs>It's weird. Like, what about uh, like tradesmen? When you guys were talking about the spring, Springsteen stuff, I thought tradesmen sounded like a a spring, yeah, a Gerbuck, a Springsteen. Yeah. Like tradesmen was. There you go, like Zach a- Bryan. Gerbuck, <laughs> one million Gerbucks for you. You're right. Gerbuck. Yeah, that's interesting. Tradesmen uh, does. Um, yeah. You know that actually. God, this is fun. We should have done a whole segment on comparing this album to Bruce. <laughs> um, like that does sound like tradesmen. Sounds like a song that would have gone on um, the Letters to You album, which is kind yeah, of like yeah. his, you yeah. know, closing chapter of his career album. Um, mm-hmm. That would have fit on that one. Good catch, Danko. I like that. Yeah, that was. I thought that was good. You've just made an outtake. Congratulations. All right. <laughs> it's about time. I've only been doing this for 137 episodes. <laughs> oh, three <laughs> away from true. another 40, baby. Uh, yeah. Oh, three boy. away. And, and it does that line up with... It does line up with the Steelers game, the Monday night game. That's a weird week. So we've got right? next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Monday night. And that's God. the Monday before our trip. <laughs> oh. It's a lot. A lot's happening. I'm taking I'm the whole drive. I'm coming. I'm coming home from Canada that day. Oh, geez. What are you going to Canada for? We go see, see my granddaughter. All right. Yeah. Oh, cool. nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. They're in Toronto. Very excited. Is that where they're at? Yep. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like, and I don't want to sound bad saying this, and so this is just based on my experience. This is not meant to be an over-exaggeration or um, not exaggeration or like blanket statement about anybody. I feel like this show is written by women because they come up with these like super complex reasons not to solve simple problems. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> like it comes down to the end and there's this like really career driven lady and her, she falls in love with this guy who's like a movie director in Hollywood. And he's got to go to Egypt for five weeks because that's when he can get access to the pyramids and he wants her to come. And she's like, no, I have my own career. I have to stay independent. So I'll see you in five weeks. I'm like, what the fuck? Why not fly out for the first week? Come back, work for a little while fly out like for the last week and and then that's it like how is why is it like we can't i've got to stay it's just so like man this is like the sixth time or nothing this has happened they, they yeah. work in they yeah. work in absolute yeah. curbs i'm telling yeah. you they yeah. work in absolute like, be afraid be very afraid <laughs> <laughs> like a quick disclaimer huh. that this is not necessarily the opinion of the show or the producers of the show this is just the opinions it. of I would take it a step further and just not include this in the show. <laughs> no, I kind of like it because it's really funny because like the five week thing is so obvious. Like, no, just take breaks. Um, you know, like, I'm like, I get flying to Egypt is probably a pain in the ass, but, um, and she's like a realtor. I'm like, come on. You know, do that house. job on the internet now. <laughs> got an open house for five. Weeks. Yeah. You got an open house lined up, man. Yeah. <laughs>
Oh, oh boy. God, I'm really glad that it's over. I'm really glad. And even Tammy was like, I think Tammy's overall feelings, and I, I will give her time to correct this on the next episode if she wants. I think her overall feeling is she's watching it because she loves these characters for all the years that they were on Sex and the City, and it was a good show for women of Tammy's age to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sticking with it because she loves the characters, and even she's like, God, this is so dumb. You know, there's so many yeah. parts of this that are so stupid. Um, but this is, you know, this she, is her she, Star Wars. This is her Star Wars. This is this exactly is what has happened. Star Wars. That is, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 three movie, the sequels. Uh, it's like, all right, I gotta stick with this. Yeah, Luke is yeah. old now. It's not good, but <laughs> yeah. I gotta stick with. It. I gotta see it through the end. Yep. yep. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe if they can do it on Sunday, but not Monday or something. Seal is in the crowd. Really? Yeah, that's definitely Seal. Don't look directly at his face. <laughs> He's not looking at the camera. Um, the guy had one song. How does he have any fucking money? Um, what is he still married to the supermodel? Uh, no, who was he married to? What? Who? It was one of the Heidi Klum or somebody. Yeah, yeah right? it was Heidi yeah, Klum. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's ended. Good get for I, Seal. I, really yeah. good get for. He Seal. had more than he had two songs. Didn't Just from a rose. Had, Crazy songs. Crazy, yeah, crazy. Was a big song. Um, I don't know if after that. Maybe uh, maybe he invested well. I don't know. It, anyway, 1202. Yeah. Fuck you. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, brothers. All right, I guess. I love you Have guys. Good night. Love all right, you, love you guys. Good night. Right, see you. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?